This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be discussing disorganized attachment. We are going to be discussing, you know, what it is. Um, We're also going to be discussing how to heal disorganized attachment. We're also going to look at um, disorganized attachment in relationships. So what does it look like to date when you are someone who has disorganized attachment? Um, the way that you potentially can sabotage some of your relationships. Um, and, you know, also who you're attracted to and what a breakup might look like. Um, so to begin with, Um, We talk a lot on this podcast about insecure attachment styles. And so disorganized attachment is one of the four attachment styles. And um, there is secure attachment where in childhood, you know, you really had a deep kind of close, healthy connection with your caregivers or your parents. Um, and then there's also three insecure attachment styles. And one is avoidant attachment. One is disorganized attachment. And another is anxious attachment. And so those with insecure attachment styles typically have difficulty forming emotional connections with others. Um, and A lot of times, of course, if you are someone who is listening to this podcast, you've probably gotten to that point in your life where you're like, okay, there's clearly something going on here. Um, I struggle with my emotions. Um, If you are anxious, uh, sometimes it can be, um, you know, struggling to manage your emotions because you have very strong emotions. Um, Uh, that can also be for all three of the insecure attachment styles. But, um, you know, if you are, uh, if you have, uh, disorganized attachment, you might kind of tend to move around a little bit. You might sometimes feel somewhat anxious and at other times you might feel um, very, um, uh, avoidant. And those who have avoidant attachment can oftentimes really struggle um, connecting. They feel the emotions. Um, but in childhood, your parents or your caregivers weren't really able to offer um, a certain kind of um, healthy level of connection with you, uh, both when you were an infant, so very early on, but also throughout your childhood, your adolescence, and then um, perhaps also into adulthood. Um, insecure attachment can also form in adulthood. Um, this can also, you know, this can happen because, um, you are with someone, you know, your partner is someone who is insecurely attached. And so, you know, anxious attachment means that the anxious person really kind of clings to their partner and needs a lot of approval from them, from them while those with avoidant attachment really pull back from the relationship. Um, They tend to be people who feel very easily smothered and that too much is expected of them in the relationship. And so disorganized attachment is also called fearful avoidant attachment. 
And it's kind of a mix of these two attachment styles, the anxious and the avoidant. Uh, Those with disorganized attachment both crave and fear connection at the same time. Um, And so, you know, what often happens is that those with disorganized attachment, um, you know, deeply yearn for love, but are simultaneously desperately fearful of being abandoned or rejected, um, or like they're really not worthy of love. Now, worthiness can be something that all three insecure attachment styles really have to uh, dig deep into and learn how to deal with. I like to consider myself someone who is a um, recovering, anxiously attached person. Um, I've definitely moved much more into secure attachment, um, but really dealing with my feelings of not being worthy of love. other people not wanting to love me. Um, and at times feeling too much and not enough all at the same time. So just know that that can be, you know, um, all of the insecure attachment styles can, can really feel, um, kind of an unworthiness. Now, those who have disorganized attachment have usually experienced trauma or neglect in childhood. And, um, they often grew up with caregivers or parents who really suffered from substance abuse or a lot of unresolved trauma. And so disorganized attachment is really a trauma response and a result of un, um, uh, kind of a, an unresolved kind of parenting. And so if you had a parent with disorganized uh, you know, if, if your parent had disorganized children, um, you know, uh, they were really parents who were unable to emotionally connect with their children and often displayed dissociative behaviors towards their children. So the child, um, their survival instinct is really to behave in a way that increases their likelihood of survival, which in the case of a child with disorganized attachment, really means that they try to please their caregiver while also withdrawing from them. I think it's very important to realize that um, in the disorganized child's home, as a child, um, their parent was supposed to be someone that offered love and time and attention and affection, but they also were supposed to be parents who offered safety. And a lot of times that, that trauma that happens in childhood is because the parents themselves are not safe. And so the child learns a lot of coping mechanisms, right? Um, they try to please the caregiver because sometimes that can keep them safe. And then other times they withdraw because sometimes that can keep them safe. So, you know, someone who has disorganized attachment really struggles to recognize, organize, regulate, and articulate their internal experiences. And they often really develop a very harsh inner critic. Um, and they often send a lot of mixed signals um, to those around them, whether it be colleagues or friends um, or their children or their partners. They tend to be very expressive, uh, perceptive, and creative people. 
but they're also prone to a lot of black and white thinking. And I would also say some confusion. Um, They tend to be very linear people. Those people who really see things as um, their way is really the only right right way. Um, They tend to also be fairly controlling people because in the past, controlling what they could in their environment in childhood was, again, one of the only ways to keep themselves safe. And, you know, someone with disorganized attachment can really feel like a like they're in a constant kind of state of confusion. Um, and so if you are someone who has disorganized attachment, you might see your partner as a place of safety one moment, but the next you really vilify them. You bounce between these states without ever feeling like there's, um, you know, kind of a, a, like a solid ground in your relationship or that there is like a safe place for you to really kind of fall into. Um, I think it's important to know that your life experiences, if you are someone with disorganized attachment, um, also helps you develop really unique strengths. So again, you might be um, very creative, highly charismatic. Um, you, uh, these are people who also tend to be very deeply compassionate for other people or animals. Um, and they also might be incredibly expressive. Um, and so, you know, the disorganized person's ability for feeling strong emotions really makes them appreciate the subtleness in various areas of life. Um, you know, this could be art, music, literature, you know, whatnot. Um, I, I think that these are the kinds of people who really truly feel life in the contrast. Um, so again, if you think of black and white thinking, um, the contrast is that space in between, right? Um, I do quite a bit of meditating and the contrast is not the in-breath and it's not the out-breath. It is that pause between the in-breath and the out-breath and then the pause between the out-breath and the in-breath. So these are people who tend to find a lot of beauty in life. Um, but that beauty is also deeply steeped in the sorrow, the misery, the melancholy of life. So... One of, for me personally, one of the most important things uh, when I uh, I took a little test a few years ago um, about attachment style, and I came out as anxiously attached, and that seemed very accurate to me. And once I learned, though, that I could heal my insecure attachment, um, I said, oh, okay, um, this is a wound, this is a trauma that I can heal. And the same is true for someone with disorganized attachment. You very much can um, heal uh, your attachment style. And you can make a lot of really profound discoveries about yourself. And you can really move towards secure attachment, um, particularly as you grapple with your uh, in this case, a disorganized attachment, you also can begin to look at the kinds of relationships that you have 
And as you really work on becoming secure within yourself by looking at those other elements of your childhood, um, of your life, uh, I know for myself, I had to really dig into my childhood and say, wait a minute, um, gosh, it seemed like it was really great. Um, but okay, hold on. Here are some things that really came up and, and a lot of the reasons why I was insecurely attached, why I was very anxious. And then that showed up in my relationships, in um, my ability to move my life forward, um, my ability to um, earn good grades or, um, you know, complete a degree or uh, do some of these things was really, uh, you know, going after the career that I really wanted um, was really due to how I felt about myself and the stories and the beliefs that I created about myself based upon my childhood. And like anything, um, there is no easy fix. Um, it's also difficult because each person's journey is a little bit different. Um, in my, in, in the Create Love Freedom Members Club, each month I go through a new self-healing topic, um, so that people can learn and explore, uh, more about it so that they can start looking at, you know, the things about themselves. So, um, in uh, December, we are looking at um, the abandonment wound, right? And, you know, that may be something for one person, but not for another. But really kind of taking a look at some of these, some of these aspects and areas of your life where you can begin to kind of separate, okay, this is what I was taught. This is what came about from my childhood. And um, this is now what I believe out of that. Okay, well, how much of my belief is actually accurate? Is it true? And I found personally that a lot of my beliefs, a lot of the things that I believed about family or relationships or loyalty or, um, you know, putting my trust in other people, a lot of it was built upon not a, a very healthy foundation. And so I like to talk about it as um, really taking a jackhammer to that foundation um, and then really kind of, um, you know, if we're, if we're talking about it, the foundation, really purchasing, or, or in my case, uh, you know, purchasing the materials to build the highest quality foundation I could. And so for me, purchasing those materials, right, was really going through and looking at different areas of my life. Why do I struggle with boundaries? Like I, you know, remember saying to someone, I don't even know how to set a good boundary. I don't, I don't understand the concept. Like I've never been shown this before, right? Uh, really having to take a look at um, my personality type, my Enneagram type, uh, really looking at having, you know, really having to dive deep into my shadow self, um, beginning a study of the masculine and the feminine, um, what are those archetypes? What are those, what's that shadow side of myself? Um, how do I build relationships that really are meaningful and matter? So just know that you can very much do it. It seems kind of daunting in the beginning. I also came to that place where I was like, I don't even know how to start any of this. And so for me personally, I just kind of followed one topic at a time that was really interesting to me. And then when another one would pop up, 
then I would start kind of researching that. And so that's basically what I've done with the members club is really just um, offering that for people to have kind of a starting place. It's the tool that I wish that I had when I was learning about, uh, you know, uh, doing self-discovery, self-healing, going on a personal growth journey. So let's look a little bit at disorganized attachment and dating. Um, Again, disorganized attachment is an insecure attachment style. So uh, that means that as someone, if you are someone with disorganized attachment, you really have trouble forming emotional connections with others. Uh, You typically see love as something um, there's a limited amount of in the world. Um, And I, again, I think very much due to the disorganized attachment style, you know, you may have um, very kind of specific uh, behavioral patterns. Um, maybe such as overgeneralizing or vilifying your partner or lacking any boundaries, right? And so this, you know, the, these are some of the kind of the signs of your dating life um, that might deeply be affected by your attachment style. And so one of those things is that, you know, you subconsciously sabotage your relationships. Um you, you know, if you have disorganized attachment, your feelings tend to go from hot to cold uh, before a relationship can really get off the ground. So your behavior may um, make your partner say things like, you're too intense, which triggers you even more. Um, you also generalize or overgeneralize, excuse me, um, pretty easily. You might think things like, um, I like staying in and he likes going out, right? Like I'm an introvert, he's an extrovert. So it means our relationship will never work. Versus kind of realizing that each person really brings something beautiful to the relationship. Yeah, the other person might be more extroverted, but they can still go and do some things on their own. Just like you can do some things on your own. And then, you know, they have a beautiful, um, either maybe comfortable or warm or cozy or um, really beautiful place to come back to, which is also with you there. Um, And when you are ready to step out and explore some things in your relationship, um, you know, they're that guide, they're that person who can show you that. Uh, Someone with, disorganized attachment also tends to resort to black and white thinking. Um, this, this really may kind of make you, um, the, the person who really provokes others in social situations. You might not necessarily mean to, um, but you, I have found that a lot of people with disorganized attachment, tend to have very sharp tongues. Um, and they, they don't really hold back on anybody. Uh, the beautiful thing about it is you know exactly what they're thinking, at least in that moment. That's the other uh, thing about that. Um, but it can also really kind of be a verbal lashing, a punishment. Um, and it's because of the way that someone with disorganized attachment has chosen to believe that someone is quote bad. Um, 
I know someone in particular in my life. She's a nurse and um, she will often say things like, well, I don't like that doctor or, you know, um, that male doctor. And, you know, there's a lot of verbal lashings about the person, about their character, uh, which I have noticed tends to move into her uh, closest relationships, her relationship with her husband, um, where, you know, she will, again, she will vilify him a lot um, in times when it's not necessary. And there's, you know, her husband was, was not being negative. Um, but she has taken kind of whatever was said and always rephrases it or reframes it in her mind as something that's very much against her or is very negative. Um, and, and she will take those kind of stories or beliefs that she's built and, and really turn them into, um, negative character traits in somebody else. Uh, the other person is very undeserving or bad. Um, I found that, you know, someone with disorganized attachment, um, often also feels that power struggles, um, or, you know, that there is a constant battle for emotional control in relationships and that these power struggles are really needed, um, in order to feel connected to people around them. And so, you know, the disorganized person can, can feel like they can read their partner's mind and that they should really be able to control the discussion. Um, I, um, alternatively, I've also really found that someone who has disorganized attachment, um, never takes any uh, responsibility in conflict. So again, if you are someone with disorganized attachment and you kind of say, gosh, that's me, um, these are aspects about yourself that you can very much change, that you can grow from. But first, you have to be very aware of those things. Um, so again, it's, it's kind of two sides to one coin because, you know, with the disorganized person, because, you know, they have this one side, which has, um, you know, they, they show this deep ability, um, towards empathy. Um, and, and they, they really feel deeply for others and they feel the feelings of others. But on the flip side, it's really kind of, um, you know, part of this, you know, coupled with this attachment pattern that can really lead a lot of others, uh, uh, to really see them as manipulative. So let's talk, uh, I want to dive into that a little bit deeper, that kind of um, people or even a lot of times your partner are really seeing you as very manipulative. So, you know, those with disorganized attachment, um, I, I think that they can be referred to as gaslighters. Um, but I also think that um, often they do quite a bit of gaslighting. Um, they can be seen as manipulators. So, but the problem with this term is that gaslighting involves really malicious intent. So that's, that's kind of the difference. They, they provide some of the pattern of the gaslighting, but it's really important to look at whether or not they have malicious intent. 
So again, disorganized attachment involves childhood trauma. And the fact that, you know, you, if you have disorganized attachment, really falsely deny saying certain things or behaving in certain ways. Um, and, and it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to gaslight someone because you're, you've got a couple things going on. The, when you say things to another person with that kind of barbed tongue, sometimes you're not trying to be malicious. A lot of times I found people with disorganized attachment are simply trying to speak their truth. But the problem is, is that often their truth is really rooted in childhood trauma and um, a very, um, you know, kind of challenging attachment pattern, right? Um, a very unhealthy attachment pattern. And so the person who is disorganized really will, um, you know, deny that they said certain things or behaved in a certain way, when in fact, that's actually not what's happened. So, you know, uh, another way that someone with disorganized attachment might try to manipulate people um, is to get them to act in the way that you want them to act. It doesn't necessarily mean that there was intent to hurt others. In fact, you might be trying to get a specific outcome because you know that's what the person needs. But one of the things that I have personally learned is that you don't have control over anybody else. Um, actually, uh, one of the things that I talk a lot about, even just to myself about, is um, there's very few things that I can control in my life. A lot of times I can even control the things that happen to me. But the things I do have control over, number one, are not others. I have no control over anyone else. But I do have control over myself. And that includes my actions, my attitude, my behaviors, my choices, my effort. Um, you know, what I choose to focus on. Um, but rarely it is controlling somebody else to get an outcome that I want. Now, I can direct people that way. And I think that that's really the biggest difference between someone with disorganized attachment and someone with secure attachment or someone who um, has healed, even let's say their uh, disorganized attachment is that they will still show the person, uh, show someone else, uh, perhaps where they are going wrong, but they won't try to control them to get them to a certain outcome. Or I found personally in my own life, the, the better way is to ask the person if they want some of your insight, some of your knowledge. And you can say, hey, um, this is what I see happening. If you continue doing things this way, this is what is going to happen. Or a couple of these other things, right? There's There could be a few to choose from. So, you know, again, part of a disorganized attachment or any insecure attachment style is also to see what really is and what is not, to be very aware of the the patterns, the behavioral patterns that you have, the way that you interact with others. The more that you are aware of it, 
um, the more that you can in the moment say, wait a minute, I'm trying to control someone right now. This really could be seen as being very manipulative or being very, you know, like I'm trying to gaslight someone. Huh? Okay. How do I change that? Oh gosh, you know, when I'm talking to this person, I'm only thinking in this one frame of mind, you know, black and white thinking or very rigid thinking or um, fixed mindset, right? Well, how do I shift my perspective? Even sometimes in the moment. Sometimes, of course, our awareness comes after something has happened. But regardless, we can continue to get better at those kinds of things. So let's look at some of the consequences of disorganized attachment. Um, Because a disorganized person's um, behavior is very erratic and very unpredictable, um, when they are trying to build connections, it can really lead them to lose important relationships in their life, including romantic partners. Um, I have also seen children the children of uh, a parent who has disorganized attachment to really put up some boundaries and do a little low or no contact. A lot more times low contact I've seen, unless the parent also has maybe some other um, kinds of uh, issues. I shouldn't say issues. That's not really the right word, but some other challenges, some other things um, that a lot of times they're not usually working on, which is part of the issue. Um. And so this really can lead the disorganized person to feel very lonely um, because they really don't have the tools to meet their own emotional needs, um, to fulfill those aspects of themselves. Because again, they weren't taught that in childhood. Um, those of us who have um, avoidant or anxious attachment also weren't taught things, but it was at a little bit of a different level. Um, We may or may not have felt that our parent or one of our parents um, was incredibly unsafe, Um, but we've also need to put certain um, uh, limiting beliefs in place. Um, and certain uh, deactivating strategies or defense mechanisms in place. Um, I think that people with disorganized attachment, and this can also be very true of anyone with insecure attachment style, but they really have a hunger for feeling seen, uh, feeling like they belong, as we all do. It's a very normal, natural um, human instinct, human need. Um, yet at the same time, and this is where I think that those with disorganized attachment are slightly different. They really hunger for feeling seen and um, feeling like they belong, like they're worthy, but they never quite feel satisfied, um, in relationships. They never feel like they quite fit in. Um, and they never feel like they're very worthy of that connection. A lot of times because in childhood they were taught that they were not worthy. People with disorganized attachment tend to be very hard on themselves. Um, They tend to have very perfectionistic tendencies. Again, they struggle then to um, see the gray areas in others, in their life. Um, But definitely with others, uh, as a result, they're very hard on those people. 
This includes their partners who I found often um, are very hurt um, by partly not ever setting the, uh, you know, really kind of uh, meeting the bar that the, that the disorganized person has set for them, but also just kind of the, the constant, um, sometimes it's verbal, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's psychological abuse. The disorganized person isn't, again, they aren't doing it from a place of maliciousness, even though it can feel that way in the moment, um, for their partner, but they're not doing it from, again, a a place of malicious intent. So if you are someone with disorganized attachment, although your intent isn't malicious, it's very hurtful. Um, So what you can do, of course, is learn how to kind of deconstruct your defense mechanisms, how to uh, create uh, closer pathways to your body, to understanding, you know, things like polyvagal theory in your nervous system. When you get into that heightened place, learning how to self-soothe, learning how to heal your inner child, um, learning how to reparent yourself. And this can go a very long way to helping you um, create a healthier relationship with your partner, um, with your children, but also can really, I I know for me, uh, for someone who, you know, again, um, formerly anxiously attached, it created, you know, by healing all those things inside of me, it really created this sense of self-love, self-healing, sense of freedom, sense of calmness. I'd say in the past decade, um, but especially the last five years, I have never, like my mind is so much more calm. And again, that's what self-healing can do for us. And it can really transform a lot of our relationships. Um, I think, uh, you know, another thing that we could talk about certainly is, um, who, um, disorganized, uh, individuals are really attracted to. And, you know, the reason many of those who have an insecure attachment style stay stuck in their pattern of insecurity is that they tend to attract others who have an insecure attachment style. And so this dynamic really reinforces, um, you know, uh, each person's beliefs about love and connection. Um, So, you know, either one or both partners are really unable to move towards a secure attachment style. And, you know, this is called the anxious avoidant trap. So I think in order to understand the anxious avoidant trap, it's important to understand that you can have one partner who is anxious and one partner who is avoidant. But you can also have one partner who is disorganized and one partner who is anxious. You can have one partner who is disorganized and one partner who is avoidant. It creates the same kind of push-pull dynamic. So for those with disorganized attachment, um, this can really mean that you attract avoidant or anxious partners or partners, again, with disorganized attachment. 
Um, and these people that you are partnering with really reinforce your beliefs about relationships and that you really can't have the connection that you yearn for. And so, you know, you and your partner are constantly kind of feeling triggered because for you, your partner is both a source of comfort and they're a threat. And it really feels like there's no way to really relax into the relationship or regard any conflict as an opportunity for deepening intimacy. So no unhealthy relationship can be sustained without retraining the nervous system. Um, and, you know, for if you are someone with disorganized attachment, you really prove to yourself uh, through your through um, being in relationships with other insecure people, you really prove to yourself those deep beliefs that you hold, that you're inherently unworthy, and that relationships are a game of power dynamics. You really prove this true to yourself. And so then the loop happens over and over and over again. So um, when we look at breakups, um, you know, looking, I think it's important to look at kind of the disorganized attachment pattern. Um, you know, let's say you meet someone and, you know, you become very enamored with them. Um, the new relationship feels exciting and fun. Again, this is partly because, um, there's a lot of, you know, there's less intimacy and there's more desire, right? And so, um, you know, the other person hasn't really gotten to know you a lot yet. And, you know, you're having a good time and it feels fairly easy to connect on a pretty surface level with your partner. Um, you know, could be really good sexual chemistry, could be great conversations. But then as the relationship deepens and the intimacy turns, um, really kind of from exciting to something more every day. Um, the warning signals go off. And this is kind of that pattern where you begin to doubt and distrust your partner. You want their love and affection, um, but you also fear being rejected or abandoned. And you're also very um, terrified of being controlled or invaded, most likely because in childhood someone abandoned you or rejected you. And um, a parent also most likely controlled or really invaded on your personal space, uh, whether that be emotionally, psychologically, physically, mentally, um, whatnot. So what happens is that you often pull back in the relationship at this point. You feel bored, you kind of do the hot and the cold thing with the partner. And so the partner becomes pretty frustrated. Um, they see you as fairly argumentative, uh, fairly moody, like you're looking to sabotage or attack the relationship. And again, this really reinforces your belief that you are flawed and that you're unlovable and that you're unworthy. And so you break it off with them. Um, you know, it's kind of that belief that, well, you know, I might as well leave them before they leave me. Um, I don't have any idea what I found attractive in them, what attracted me to them. But then a couple days go by 
and you really regret that decision. Um, maybe you try to get your partner back. Um, you know, maybe because of their attachment style, let's say they're uh, anxiously attached or maybe even avoidantly attached because there's a lot of push pull in the anxious avoidant trap. Um, you know, they might even respond to your text message when you say you miss them and they might say the same thing back and then it starts the cycle over again. Um, now again, you can break these kinds of patterns and get the connection that you crave. Um, when it comes to healing this pattern, but also healing disorganized attachment, um, you have to understand that you really live in survival mode and a state of needing the highs and the lows. Um, because they feel familiar to you. This is how it was in your childhood. And so to heal your attachment style, your challenge is really to, you know, um, really kind of welcome those more kind of static, mundane, everyday stages of the relationship or, um, you know, times in the relationship. You have to learn how to create um, and practice a lot of self-compassion. Um, you have to establish other supportive relationships uh, where you are not really trying to change, um, you know, uh, thinking about, well, I need to become an entirely different person in order to have better relationships, but more of the, okay, I am going to pay closer attention to how I come across or, you know, am I using my tongue my barbed tongue to really kind of cut down and destroy, to lash at somebody. Um, you know, becoming more objective. Um, you know, really taking a look at your own views. Where are there some flawed beliefs? Uh, looking at your own inner critic. Um, you know, really looking at your internal dialogue. One of the things that I really found true about myself was, um, I couldn't believe how horribly internally I spoke to myself. My internal dialogue was not just negative, it was destructive. So when, you know, I always use the example of, you know, when I would either verbally say out loud uh, to myself or about myself, you know, I'm an idiot, or I would say so inside, I really had to learn how to shift that thinking to reauthor, to re-narrate that belief um, to so I could change that belief, so I could change that story that I say about myself inside my own mind, that pattern. You have to you have to disrupt the pattern and then you have to be aware of the pattern. You have to disrupt it and then you have to reauthor it, re-narrate it and say, no, come on, you're not an idiot. We know that you're quite smart. Um, you know, uh, if you need to list some of your, of your accomplishments, that's fine too. But for me, it's like, you know, people do love and care about you. You're not going to be alone in life forever. Even if you don't find a partner, um, either in the next five years or ever, you still have all these deep loving relationships that you can turn back to. Um, so when you begin to really reauthor, re-narrate, um, 
you know, you really have to dig deep and really reframe your own identity. It's, it's your identity that's really keeping you stuck. So again, every person's attachment style, even if it's securely attached, it's a deep, it's very deep rooted in your identity. Um, it's, it's rooted in your brain. It's rooted in your nervous system. Um, and for someone uh, with disorganized attachment, um, but you know, any insecure attachment style, it really requires you to shift your identity and how you, how you view yourself. So one of the greatest books that I read, um, you know, in terms of forming new habits. And I took this into how I was going to kind of reform my identity, uh, was the book, um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And that also kind of began to kind of break apart any kind of linear thinking or, um, uh, very, um, narrow minded thinking that I had but it also really allowed me to shift some of my stories. And one of the things that James Clear talks about is you have to want the identity of somebody different. So part of it is, what would I have in my life if I became this kind of person? And, you know, it it doesn't, the identity isn't just around having a certain kind of job, but it's really who you are at your core. What if I was somebody who really believed that I loved myself? What if I was somebody who really believed that I was worthy of time, attention, affection, uh, compassion, love, generosity, um, devotion from somebody else? What if I was someone who, you know, was able to create whatever that ideal image that I have in my mind? about? What what if I was somebody who was able to find a partner who really, who really um, kind of attached to that sense of yearning and longing that I have for connection and belonging, right? And what if I, what if I really treated that person incredibly well? I don't treat them poorly because of my character, I treat them poorly because of my behavioral patterns that I was taught early on in childhood because I didn't feel safe. What if I was able to change that? And so then slowly but surely, you really kind of begin to change your identity, change how you see yourself. You you begin to see yourself as someone worthy of being cared for, cared about. Um... And the truth is that even people with secure attachment, now, of course, I'm someone who is recovering from anxious attachment, but I still have those days every once in a while. Um, You know, when I kind of think about my life and where I am in my late 30s, and I'm like, you know, um, often, you know, in bed at night, I'll have kind of a not often, but um, every once in a while in bed at night, I'll have kind of like a, a low point. And I'll be like, how is it that I still haven't found anyone that I really want to share my life with? Um, and I also have to realize that, you know, I am imperfectly perfect. Um, but someone is going to find value in that. And I don't have to reach 
um, a certain kind of status, married versus single, or, um, you know, a mother versus not a mother by a certain age. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but I also have to have a lot of faith, whether that's in God or in the universe or uh, with spirit, that that person is out there for me. Now, I also have to kind of change the belief that there's one person for me. That was a big thing that really helped me break through my anxious attachment wasn't, was that, you know, when I would get into a new relationship, this is the only person for me. This is the one. Um, instead of believing that there's the one out there for me, I really worked instead on becoming the one for myself. Not that I don't want to invite someone else into my life in the future, but instead to really also understand that, you know, there's 7 billion people on this planet. There can't only be one right person for me. And that right person shows up between the ages of 25 and 35. You know what I mean? Like, that seems very silly. Not everyone is on the same journey. And you will also find on this uh, self-healing journey that you go on, um, whether you know you are uh, someone with disorganized attachment or another insecure attachment style, is really that you are going to have some rough days. You're going to take a step back every once in a while instead of just steps forward. And then there's also going to be times when you get frustrated and you're like, you know, I, I just, I need to set this aside for a few days or a month. That's okay. Then come back to it. There are times when I'm just like, I'm exhausted doing a lot of self-healing work. And so then I just take a little break and I'm like, it's okay. Um, it's kind of how I uh, approach my time in the gym, uh, particularly being an ovulating woman, right? Where, um, you know, um, you know, I menstruate and whatnot. And so, um, my hundred percent in the gym is going to be different on different days. Now, do I still show up? Yes. Um, but my hundred percent on a day when I'm menstruating might be going out for a long walk. And then other times I feel really good. And so guess what? I'm going to lift and whatnot. Um, you know, but I'm going to put in some extra stretching or I'm going to do something else. So your hundred percent for the day when you focus on your self healing work, when you focus on shifting your identity to something different. Um, it, it, it's okay if your hundred percent is different from one day to the next. And then I also think that it's really important to realize that there are kind of three different parts of healing any insecure attachment style, but definitely um, also um, disorganized attachment. And one is on the level of the mind. You really need to reframe negative beliefs about yourself and the world to open up the possibilities of life. Um, you have to really stop recreating painful scenarios in your mind. And I can hold my hand up and say, um, that's something I very much had to do as someone with anxious attachment. Uh, I really held on to the painful scenarios that I would play over and over and over and over and over in my mind. Um, we do this because they feel familiar and safe. Uh, another level is the body level. 
Um, this is where you really work to integrate, um, integrating what you've learned, but also integrating energy, um, particularly around negative limiting beliefs, um, and patterns, right? Destructive patterns that aren't serving you anymore. That's, that's actually one of the questions that I would constantly ask myself, um, as I was, you know, in the, the deeper stages of healing really was, um, wait, does that belief, no man is ever going to love you. Is that, first of all, is that a, you know, does that, does that limit me in any way? But does it, does it serve me? No, it absolutely does not serve me in any way. And yes, it is incredibly limiting. It's incredibly destructive. That's not true at all. And so, you know, I think that on the body level, um, trying some different things to really get rooted in your body. Um, I do meditation. Um, I, you know, that's also breath work and whatnot. Um, but I also do some physical things. I know for myself in particular, I have to work out. Um, I also add a lot of walking or running into my day um, as well. Um, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a portion of my day that I do that. But then I also decided to step outside of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, some of my meditation is um, through an all kind of female uh, priestess group called Priestess Presence. This also helped me kind of understand a lot of my own feminine energy and feminine nature. And um, there were a lot of guided meditations there that really helped me kind of deconstruct certain beliefs that I had about myself, but also on a body level. Um, I began taking uh, a dance class. Um, I also looked at, um, because I'm an INFJ, one of my least developed um, cognitive functions um, was extroverted sensing. So what I began to do, um, was, you know, I had this kind of, um, I had this, you know, kind of need for some reason, like I, I can't paint or draw in terms of like, you know, the way that someone can uh, draw or paint uh, someone's face right? A face. But I really enjoy moving paint around on a canvas um, that's much more abstract. And I found that that really connected to a part of myself that I needed to really get in touch with. So choose something, uh, a different practice or uh, something that you can do daily um, or something that really just pushes you totally outside of your comfort zone. For me, again, that was also running Spartan races that got me into my body. Yes, part of it was my mind as well. Um, but for me personally, I'm not a quitter. And so it put me in an environment where I had to, I had to stop any negative self-talk and say, no, no, we are going to get to the top of this hill. We are going to get through this obstacle. Even if we fall off the, you know, monkey bar things or whatever, um, you know, we, you know, and we have to do some burpees. That's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fall off. 
Just do your burpees and then keep moving on. Just keep moving forward. And for me, a big thing was we run in between the obstacles. There's no walking. Now, of course, depending on your level of fitness, please don't, you know, please, please make a good choice for yourself. But for me, it was really stepping outside of my comfort zone on the body level as well. Um, this also being in my body a lot really helped me um, minimize um, and feel less triggered, um, particularly when I was in stressful situations. And I think that that can be very useful for someone who is um, who has disorganized attachment. Um, it, you know, it could be something as well as gardening. You're creating something beautiful and you're doing something physical. And then there's the spirit level. And at this level, you really strive for post-traumatic growth, which really requires you to adopt a new belief system and identity that promotes increased organization, um, mental and emotional coherence, and really a deeper experience of personal meaning and connection um, to really the collective consciousness. And, you know, you can really learn how to orient yourself in relation to your own inner wisdom and spiritual compass instead of obsessively preoccupying yourself with attempting to control everyone around you uh, to, so that you can really avoid your... Um, much more uncomfortable feelings. So these are some of the things that I uh, that I come across with um, people who you know have disorganized attachment or people that um, I have talked to or work with. So I hope that this was helpful and useful for you today. Um, during the podcast, I talked a little bit about um, the Create Love Freedom Members Club. Again, that is a self-guided, um, self-healing journey. Um, each month I have a new topic and you can also, um, either direct message me over Instagram or you can send me an email, which is, um, create love freedom at gmail.com. And you can let me know of a self-healing topic that you would like to see show up in the members club in the next few months. I very much, um, am always interested in making sure that you're getting the content that you need. Um, but that self-healing topic comes with multiple videos um, and a workbook for you to uh, really be able to work through whatever that self-healing topic is. And like I said before, it's really the guide that I wish I had when I was going through my own self-healing journey. So if that is of interest to you, please go to um createlovefreedom.podia.com. That is our website. And you can click on the members club link, um, the members club tab. And um, if you follow me on Instagram, you can also go to at createlovefreedom on Instagram. If you click on the link in our bio, uh, then you can also um, click on members club and sign up there. And um, we, I would love to have you in the members club. Um, Again, it is a self-guided journey, so you go at your own pace. And you can uh, certainly go back and look at previous months and then have access to future months. Um, until next time.